Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. In a world headed for disaster, five strangers with mysterious pasts are thrown together by the winds of fate to try to stop the unseen forces that threaten to destroy their world. Join Creval, a dragonborn with no memory and no past, who is the first of the barbarians of the mountains to be seen in a thousand years. Cotter, a penniless paladin, running from something or someone in his past. No one, the only tiefling monk the kingdom has ever seen, who has been expelled from his monastery for reasons he has not revealed. Adri, his monastic companion who hides some deep dark secret she cannot reveal. And Arlen, once a simple farmer, until some mysterious event manifested sorcerous powers in him. They must travel the length and breadth of the kingdom of Faroe, searching for the disparate clues that will help them unravel the mystery of the failing of their land, while trying to hold together the unraveling threads of society's weave threatening to come apart at any moment. They will have to battle nature, plague, politics, and even the forces of the underworld as they attempt to discover and defeat whoever, or whatever, is attempting to poison their world and throw it into chaos. Relic of the Past is a novel-length story told via a clean, custom, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons game. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are found, and at poolmedia.podbean.com. Welcome everybody to today's episode. So we are really excited for today's episode because this is an episode that is heralding a pretty much like once-a-year event for the hosts here at Tabletop Journeys. And we will get into the details on that in just a minute. But uh, before we get into that, Lewanika, Mr. Myers, good evening. How are things down in the soon-to-be tabletop journeyed state of Connecticut? Things are really good. It's been uh, an interesting and eventful week. But on the game gaming side of things, I've gotten a lot of work done on several projects that I've been working on that are game-related and getting really excited for the upcoming event that we are actually here to discuss tonight. Yeah. How about All you, right. Glenn? How are things done for you? Oh, fantastic. 
I am still riding the high from our first session of yeah. Tabletop Journeys One Playtest AP that we're, we're setting up. Even though we still have a wrap up session to go, but just running, setting that up, playing with such a fantastic cast of characters at my table to include you two. The fun we've had collaborating and creating this interesting world that everybody will get introduced to when it launches has just been a blast. And I'm really, really struggling to change gears from that because my mind's still just coming up with ideas and churning <laughs> stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but I've got to disconnect from that and dive back into editing to try to f- put the finishing touches on yeah. our subclasses book for the heroic <laughs> subclasses of the multiverse so we can get that out as our Kickstarter is closed. So busy, lots of creativity, loving it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Tuesday's session was chef's kiss, my friend. Just an absolute fantastic time. Thank you so very much for taking the uh, the initiative to go ahead and put that together because, uh, man, the crew that you have assembled is is A-plus crew. Ari, Mike from 19 Hits the Dragon, Marty, Fiona, Lewin, just an amazing crew to run with. Really excited to go ahead and see how that game goes on. So I'm oh, having me too. absolute blast. And I got to tell you, Glenn, as far as openings for campaigns that you've run, this is right up there with your Rifts campaign, that open that opening scene you did in the Rose campaign, this was that good for me. Like this first session wow. was as good as that first session. That's uh, hard to, that's the game where I made everybody start naked because somebody told me <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that it was a toss up. Like in my head, in that moment, I was saying this was far superior in retrospect. I'm like, is that because it's the new shiny or is it, was it really that good? And after mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. a couple of days after I can tell you they are leveled up. It was a great opening, and the background work that we did in this was 100% part of how cool that was. Working with Ari on our combined background was such a rewarding and wonderful experience. In fact, we've been trading Twitter uh, jokes all day today. Uh, (laughs) I'm not one for tooting my own horn usually, but we haven't wrapped up that session yet. Just wait, my friend. Your mind will be blown. Excellent. I'm not proud of this start. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring in a tonight's guest so that we can go ahead and get into some really exciting Tabletop Journeys news. Let's introduce tonight's guest, uh, Mr. Dave Carter from H.H. Ellis. H.H. Ellis uh, Technical High School. We're part of the Connecticut Technical yeah. High School system, which has now got a brand new name and they changed it. And I've since the pandemic happened, they've changed my email address like three times. So I apologize if I don't <laughs> get it exactly right, but I'm sure you guys can Google that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Dave, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Thank you so very much for joining us. We're going to be talking tonight about the convention that you've put together with HHLS Technical School called HHLSCon. So before we kind of get into peppering you uh, endlessly with questions, what is LSCon? What can you tell us about LSCon and and how to get started? I can't take the full credit. LSCon, we're in our 32nd year. Uh, Conveniently, it's now because of the pandemic, although we missed a couple years, it's now 32 years and 32 conventions. So we're doing that. So I can't take full credit because I would have been nine at the very first one, but started by my good friend, John Haskell. He was an educator at Ellis Tech for his tenure from the late 70s to 2012. And um, he started it as a fundraiser for the HHLS Simulation Club, the school's tabletop gaming club. And they were doing strong and they were doing a lot of fun stuff. And I came over from Wyndham Tech back in 2011. And he was like, hey, when I retire, you're going to take over the club, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And the man was in his mid-50s. He had plenty of other time. And then he retired like the next day. And uh, the club had eight or nine hardcore kids. They would play some of 
the tabletop games they could squeeze into the few hours that we had after school. And I said, I said, I want to take the club over. I want to make it my own. I said, one of the rules he had, he was a history teacher. Every game had to be based on social, economics, or political, or war games. And I'm like, that's nice, but I do like D&D, and I play Magic, and I'm really good on you know, Civil Wars when they're in outer space, but not, <laughs> maybe not the American one. We talked, and the kids changed the charter, and all of a sudden, the club blossomed. And pre-pandemic, I had 80 kids on the roster, which is more than the entire wow. sports had for all three seasons. So we were <laughs> doing pretty well. And now this year's a... I really appreciate you guys having me because we're rebuilding as we all figure out how are we doing? What are we doing? Sure. Can we do the safe? Awesome. Well, well, I love it because it doesn't have to just be a historical battle. As an example, my son for his middle school years was homeschooled. And one of the things he did specifically was a social and political analysis comparing the Kardashian occupation of Bajor with... <laughs> The Revolutionary War and World War II. And he also did another historical class based on Doctor Who episodes, which was fantastic. Wow. Nice. nice. Amazing. So the reason that we wanted to go ahead and bring you on here to go ahead and talk about your, about the convention and everything like that is in case somehow our listeners have not yet heard, Tabletop Journeys is going to be at EllisCon this year. The three of us are actually getting together. We're going to be there for the entire day. We're going to be running some game tables at the beginning of the day and then probably doing some talk around with the vendors and with other people at the convention in the afternoon. We're really looking forward to go ahead and coming down and, uh, and and hanging out with you guys. And it's going to be so. This episode, you guys are hearing this episode on November 11th. Elscon though is Saturday, November 19th, and so we'll make sure we go away. Ahead. I know, right? We'll we'll go ahead and make sure and get details on uh, on where folks need to go and how they can sign up and all that stuff at the uh, at the end of the show here. But in the meantime, it's time for the relentless peppering of questions, gentlemen. D 20s to the ready initiative. Por favor. Uh, I'm not going first with a two. 17. Ooh. Four. Mr. Miller. <laughs> the floor right. is yours, sir. The floor so, was mine. The floor was four. Well, the floor uh, was two. Exactly. Mr. Carter. Yes, sir. You already covered the history of the con and how that came to be and how you came to it. But what I'd like to really get into is how did you get into gaming? What was your backstory? How did you get started? Okay. First up, my my game crew from like middle school age, we were not smart enough to play Dungeons and Dragons. We just we tried and unfortunately, and this is years before the Matrix, this is the mid 90s. We would buy, I would buy all the books cuz you know, I'm a hoarder and all of a sudden you don't just download into you like the Matrix. There, there, you had to actually had a crew that like agreed on a common set of rules, and uh, we just never got that far. And I honestly remember like being in sixth grade. I'm in the Putnam Middle School. I'm in the library in their game club, and we're playing Risk for the billionth week in a row. And it was fun at first, and then it was like we want more. And I tried bringing in. I think it was uh, you guys remember the TSR board game Dungeon Strike? I think mm-hmm. Dragon Strike, one one of those, and. All of a sudden, I get pulled from this club and I get sent to guidance. And I'm in the guidance counter's office all day long for playing. I'm going to bunny ears this dangerous games. And <sighs> when my parents found out about that, like my stepdad, he hit the roof. He was like, "You took him out of an academic setting for this. This is bogus. This is this is tomfoolery." I think he said he was had the big words. And it was, <laughs> and all of a sudden, here's my stepdad who didn't play games, but he understood the fact that we were 
socially interacting. We were having good fellowship. We were thinking outside the box and we were doing teamwork and that should be encouraged. And that pretty much grew over our time in high school. And then honestly, it was Thanksgiving weekend, 99. I'm in my first year of college. My friends are coming back. I was at a local community college and then a friend of mine who was a few years older came back from uh, University of Hartford. If you guys ever heard of Kinetikon, he's the president of that now. That was his college project, Matt Daigle. I'm at his house. We and I, I was one of those days that I wore out my welcome at, at your friend's house. I was there from like sunup to, to well past sundown. He was showing me this brand new game he got straight from Germany called Catan. And hmm. it, oh, it, I've now played some Catan. And that, that was it's such a basic game from our point of view now, but at that time it was a like completely mind blowing. It was oh my gosh, this is so great. And that mm-hmm. was like the beginning of what was already like a Pandora's box that had been opened, but that was that was the gateway drug, if you will. Nice. That's fabulous. I, I like it. We I there are six versions of Katana in my house right now because my son is a big fan. I was going to say, if the lights are on over there, I could probably see five of those just sitting on my <laughs> shelves. What I love about that answer, Dave, is that there's so many, there's so many things in there that we can all relate to. You and I are mm-hmm. roughly the same age, so when you you're in college. I was in college when you were playing Catan and everything like that. I was getting into like Elf Quest and LARPing and stuff like that. So really, yep. like, kind of like formative time to go ahead and uh, figure out uh, who I was as a game player and everything like that. And uh, man, I have not heard Dungeon Strike in quite some time. So that was a really nice blast of the past, <laughs> right there. Well, that's it, a, in that's in the uh, yeah. game closet at school, I am fortunate enough to have two copies on the shelf, which they don't oh, get see the light of day very often, but. They're there for historical I mean, references. We, we may have to we may have to play some Dungeon Strike when we're down in Connecticut. I'm just saying that that's like right. and I also probably have a Risk game that's about 25 years it, new at this so, point. Hey, I'm down. I'll yeah. sit down and play. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, I love Risk. Uh, one of the greatest educators I've ever known in my life. He passed a couple of years ago. My very first friend's father. He was a uh, professor. He actually was a professor at UConn for a while. He's worked at Cornell, worked at a couple of colleges in Boston. He used to play Risk with myself and my friend who was about a year older than me when we were young. So I was playing Risk at five years old. Nice. And he used to play with us and he never let us win. Like he, he would decimate <laughs> us. And I can honestly say I have never beaten the man at Risk. And I was probably 13 or 14 before I ever won a game of Risk because I was always getting it handed to me. But when I won my first game, I really was proud of what I was able to do and being able to win. I may not have been the most polite winner at that moment because it (laughs) took me all these years to get to that point. There are lessons that were taught every time we sat down to play the game. To be uh, fair, 14-year-olds in general are not known as magnanimous winners. They can be. Bruce, who I affectionately call dad as well, he definitely taught me a lot about the world through the lens of a game. So I really appreciate the story and the fact that it was Risk is really great and important to me as well. Yeah, nice. All right, Glenn, your turn. How about it? It's my turn already. You both already went. No, I rolled a two. I'm right, my, my four yeah. beat your two. Yeah, yeah, I'm confused. Yeah. All right, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> the math is Come strong on with this okay. one. <laughs> one of the things I like best about the fact that we're participating in this as one of the first cons I will get to participate in as part of Tabletop Journeys, I love the fact that it's in education. I love mm-hmm. that it's a high school, it's supporting a high school club, a high school gaming club. I love that y'all got it off the rails of history and into the rails of, you know, all games can be a learning environment. It's all speaking straight to my heart. One of my favorite things about my son's 
high school when he went back to school from homeschooling. It was a small school, marine science magnet school in Groton, and they were amazing for all of the issues that we faced in going through school and COVID. They were an amazing school and they did an amazing job helping us help our son get through school (laughs) during all of that. But the moral of this story is he walked into a school that already had an established gaming club because they started out that way. So I felt really fortunate. And then as I've learned that there are more and more, basically, I just really love that we're going to be able to be part of that. I wanted to lead with that as the warm up to my question. What is the best story that you could relate to us and our audience that kind of shows and is about how having a gaming club has helped a student or a group of students like that you've seen in your experience? All right. All right. I- like, thanks for the clarification. Because at first I had, okay, what's my favorite club memory? And then it was, oh, for students and gaming and stuff. All right. So this is pre-tech for me. I was very fortunate. I got hired the day after I graduated from Eastern Connecticut State University over at Wyndham Tech, like right across the fence. And they back then they had club days where, because we, every tech school is a regional school and the kids could come from all over and they made, this way they can interact and they can meet each other and stuff. So the first year I tried a photography club and it didn't develop second year i tried uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> very nice uh, very yeah, nice second, <laughs> second year i tried a uh, i was with the jokes. bowling club and the bowling club it, I, I don't got a good joke for this one but the bowling club it was cool Just enough but it, to spare. It, it wasn't me yeah and then also you know what i'm gonna embrace my inner nerd i'm gonna do a game club and i had these three kids they joined me as sophomores and it the word got out, a word got out, and they suggested games. I was able to get some sponsorships. I was able to get some games and stuff. And it really blossomed from that. And uh, right around like the, the, at the end of my time at Wyndham, before the opening at Ellis happened, these kids had graduated, and the kids they had brought in had gotten there. And uh, these are the ones who got me to play Magic. Like, I didn't play Magic back in the 90s. I wish I had. I could sell those cards for a new house. But... I play the TSR Spellfire game because that was a valuable game to invest in. And I'm sitting at one of these club games. Yeah, I, yeah. some of these jokes you guys are getting to drive home. Anyway, so I'm sitting at across the table from these kids playing Magic. It was a 1v1, a table like four to six of us, whatever. I'm playing against a sophomore. And this young lady, she would have graduated in, well, I'm going to do some math here, probably th- 12 or 13 she's she you know she's grown up we're thankful we're still in contact through social media i know she's a, a very a, a huge success i'm very proud of her we're sitting there playing magic and it was during the zendikar set i think that's what it was and all of a sudden like the primeval titan was big in that set and she went to every single pre-release there was and of course being a young lady in a male-dominated in industry, she was able to get the best trades and got all the expensive cards for like next to nothing. And here I am, the adult with real money, and I can't beat her deck. And this one time we were playing, and she constantly won. And one time I beat her, and I just didn't beat her. Like I took her lunch money. Like I made her feel bad. It was, I took an advantage of play error and I went with it. At the end of the game, she was ticked. She's like going through my, my graveyard to show me how I cheated and I, and, or there was a mistake or whatever. And I'm looking at her and she was mixing up a red card with a green card. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, wait, you're serious. You can't tell the difference because unless you look very carefully, a lot of our games, they're not very friendly to those with a colorblind impairment. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
the statistical anomaly of a young lady having a red-green color blindness, that's so minuscule that she shouldn't exist. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, wait, you're serious. And she was pissed. And all of a sudden that led to, no, please read this card. And she understood that there was a mistake. And I'm like, you're dead serious. So that's when the educator side came back out. And I did the paperwork through guidance, got her referred, got her evaluated. And turns out, yeah, she had this legitimate colorblindness. And that's why she was failing electronics, the shop she was in. Because everything's color-coded in electronics. From the transistors, the transistors, the mapping, the wiring diagrams. And nobody picked up on this until she was a 15-year-old sophomore. Oh my gosh. The only stories that come to that is you guys know you're playing across the table from somebody, you're at ease, you can distractions happen, kids can let stuff slip. And I've had so many students share details about their lives over the years that like I know their sexual orientation before their parents do. I know stuff about them that sometimes, yes, this does warrant a report like we just talked about or something to the authorities, which thankfully doesn't happen very often. But yeah, they're at ease and they share stuff. There's something powerful about a game in a communal setting that puts people at ease, that allows people to feel comfortable to share. There are things that I shared around game tables or with my gaming friends that I would not have shared with family members or with other people out in the world, even counselors, because I felt strongly. Josh and Glenn, we joked that that we have mutually assured blackmail destruction between the three of us. But <laughs> the reality is what that is, is there are things that I will tell them that I can't tell. I, don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable telling the whole world. Like I could literally be in a gulag somewhere and suffer whatever fate awaited me there before some of the things that I very freely would tell these two simply because we are comfortable together. The fact that there are educators out there such as yourself who know how to play, enjoy, have fun, create an environment that allows for that, but then know and have the ability to recognize these moments and act on them accordingly is really amazing. It's one of the reasons why I'm very happy that my youngest son is in a club in his high school as well, where they're gaming. In fact, right before we went to record, he had to go through my map collection because he's bringing some of my flip mats for the game he's running tomorrow. Excellent. uh, but I feel comfortable that there are these spaces that he's got a group that's growing yeah. and there's people that he can share some of those experiences and have the opportunities that I had with friends in a safe environment because Lord knows there are many environments that are not safe for 16-year-olds these days. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of things they could be doing that are not sitting around gaming and throwing some math rocks. Thanks yeah. for being oh, so, there for, and, the, for, and, for those kids. And to give you guys the the happy ending to that story of that young lady. She has since succeeded at college, took a semester abroad in Iceland, where she met her husband, and she lived and she immigrated over there. And from what I understand, they have very strict rules of who they will allow to become a citizen. And she basically has the equivalent of a doctorate in Icelandic studies, all delivered in the native language in order to reside there. She's very successful. And I'm very proud of her. And Icelandic is no joke. That was. I read somewhere that Icelandic is one of the most difficult languages to learn on the mm. planet. I want to go ahead and take it back to HHLSCon a little bit, Dave, and find out. So if folks go to the convention on Saturday the 19th, what are they going to find? What kind of things is is going to going to have? All right. Let's see, we haven't had one since the pandemic. We had the last one was in 19, and then 20, of course, everything shut down. 
And then last year in the planning for it, we were still one thing to remember as I do appreciate everyone coming out for the gaming. We are still not only a school, we are a state facility. So we have to have this all these rules and making sure that we follow them. Now, Grant, who can follow rules better than gamer? That's a lot of then last year I seriously looked at it and was like, well, I have to, I'm a volunteer. I, there is no compensation for my game club. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. And if I have to run this fundraiser, and the best part was we had the 19 convention. We didn't have a chance to spend any of that money and the pandemic happened. So we didn't necessarily need money last year. And it was like, oh, so if I have to like police masks, because if I have to do this and that and that, um, this isn't going to be fun this year. So let's put it off. So we, we took 21, 20, 20 was taken from us. 21 was a, a voluntary, let's try again next year. And now it is next year. And it's time to either get back and get back on that horse or let it ride away. So when you walk in, the main you're going to be using the main entrance by the gymnasium. By the way, when our school was renovated about ten years ago, we've got like one of the biggest gymnasiums in the area, so we could uh, so we could host some of the uh, the sports, state level stuff. And I, you can tell how much I know about sports at the state level. But so it's a rather large gymnasium, and there's going to be vendors in a horseshoe around the perimeter at the very end. It's going to be the retro video game lounge. We're going to set up some some old CRTs and some old consoles, and we're going to have some fun. I was actually looking at stuff for pre-planning for next year. And next year is going to be the, I think it's the 25th anniversary of the Dreamcast. And yes, I definitely want to get into that because I think the Dreamcast is one of the most underrated systems out there. I think it was way ahead of its time, which is probably why it failed. So I'm talking <laughs> like I'll throw an Atari out there. We'll throw some, uh, some 360s out there. I've got enough PS1s that we can do the linking game of Doom or, or Command and Conquer or, or, or uh, Red Alert or all those great games back there in the middle is going to be the 40k events going on um and then the citadel out of groton is going to be running all of our magic stuff it's going to be they're going to be handling it like a gigantic pre-release weekend it's going to be all day long so show up with your preference of format whether you have to bring some funds to buy some cards or if you've got a commander deck already created starting at 10 a.m they'll have regular events firing off as the, the seats fill for them and then if you go around the corner and down to the cafeteria, that's where the mini games are. Oh, and the game auction, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. Of course, food is available in the cafeteria. We have uh, subbed that out this year to the Canterbury Lions Club. They're bringing their, their food truck. They're going to feature our famous, for years, we've been known for our meatball subs. I've given them the recipe, and they're going to be doing that as well as hamburgers, hot dogs. Because they're not a school, they can actually use a fry later for their stuff. So there's going to be actual real French fries, which everyone's excited about. Mm-hmm. And let's see, and, and that's that entire, the cafeteria is the mini hall. Up until recently, we would, that would be populated mostly by the battle group Boston South. I'm not sure if you've heard of that group or not. We would, like several years ago, a game master who, who he's always going to be near and dear to my heart, Vic Gregor. He had using, what was it? There's so many rule sets out there. It's a command, not command and conquer. That's something else, but it'll come to me. He used the World War II minis, and he had Iwo Jima in scale model. He needed 27 feet of table, and Mount Suribachi <laughs> was two and a half feet tall off the uh, off the table. Oh, wow. And he was playing the night before when he was setting up, and my and he was having a demo game from some of my club kids. And the kids they 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 land where the Marines land, and they start going up the mountain. I'm like, but Vic, the airfield's that way. He goes, shh, they don't know that. <laughs> it was pretty good times. We are, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cross my fingers. I'm gonna hold out hope. If you guys have seen a regular at Carnage up there in Maine, Josh is Mike Payne, who's famous for his hang high. Mike's had some nice. car trouble. He's not, he's not sure if he's going to be able to make it. And he was like, oh, I might have to cancel my event. And I'm like, Mike, 
if you can make it with hang high or not, you always have a place at my game table. And I mean, and I, I sent a message. I'm like, dude, you've done so much for gaming all around New England. I said, it's time for us yeah. to pay it forward. If, if any gamer gets Powerball, they're buying Mike a new vehicle. That's just, it's, it's a rule. <laughs> it's a moral imperative that we got to do that. So I'm going to cross my fingers, hope that Mike can be there with hang high. And if he can't, maybe Mike will join us anyway. But then there's the game auction. And oh my gosh, this is like the most fun. It starts at five. Last time it went to a little bit past eight. It's a long time. If you guys know our founder, John Haskell, he is our auctioneer. That way I can bid on stuff because I love buying stuff because aren't we all goblin hoarders? And it's pretty, it's easy math. It's not, we're not doing, we're not doing this for, to make extra money. We're doing this more as a convenience to the attendees and we're known for it. So there is no buyer's premium. It's a 10% seller's premium. It's 10% because 10% is wicked easy. And yeah. you can, at the, after a long day of gaming, and we're going to, you're going to pay cash. We're going to pay you cash. Um, and nice. you can walk away with either a whole bunch of new games or a pocket full of money or maybe both. That happens sometimes. And there's been times where some games go for way more than you thought it was. I remember I'd scored at like a, at a church flea market years ago when I got a copy of, I think it was Avalon Hills Dune with the original stuff in it. And I put it in there thinking I'll get like maybe 10 bucks for it. And it went for like 50 or 60. And this is 10 years ago. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't have sold that because I'll never see that again. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And then, then all of a sudden you, you take all the regular games, like the more family style games, you make a stack of them like maybe a foot and a half tall and just put like a $5 opening bid on it and uh, you see what happens. And more often than not, people buy those piles. They take out the two games they like and they, oh, here, Dave, you can have them back for the club. I'm like, no, that was the idea is to get rid of them. I need the space. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good time as always. And it's, we call it the game auction, but we'll sell anything. We'll try to sell anything. And it is not like a regular auction. We do have, you fill out a little card in your name, your basically we don't have a reserve but it's what's the opening bid have to be and yep. that way if and, and also a whole dollar in commence because nobody wants to do a change and um, <laughs> yeah that, that's basically how it is so and if we put an item up and nobody wants it for whatever your price is we move on because there are so many items often it's seriously like you guys remember high school we get the cafeteria tables and it's probably like five or six of those tables full of items on the table on the benches all over the place so that's amazing. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Awesome. I that cannot does. wait. And for our listening audience, as Josh mentioned at the beginning of the show, you will have three D&D tables running D&D games. That's and right. We got to figure out where we're going to put you guys, because obviously you're going to want to have your tables near your broadcast station. The table for you. Now, just for acoustics, a gymnasium is great for Warhammer or Magic, just because you don't necessarily need to hear very well, but the cafeteria is a much more intimate setting so as long as you guys don't mind having your home base in there, that might be the place for you guys. That sounds great. We will go where you, where your experience takes oh, us. I appreciate <laughs> that, guys. Excellent. Wow, we're, that well, fantastic. we're well trained. We do what we're told. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot wait for that auction. I am infamous for coming down and throwing money at gaming stuff auctions. Very much looking forward to do, that. So, do I need to protect you by sending Jenny a message on Facebook to take your credit cards before you come? No, or only no, give you this is cash it's, it's, only. It is, uh, my with, with the changes no. of the world, guys. Uh, we are we're pretty much cash only at yeah. this point See? because we can't afford to pay the fees. Cash is king. Yeehaw. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Then All right. I will have. Should I send her a message having her check your bags for how much cash? <laughs> you're with you? No. I can be responsible with my own money. Thank you. And it's for a good cause. It's all for the kids. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's a charitable donation. Jenny's an educator, so she will appreciate yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level, plus Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DM's Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. So we're already like a half an hour. This is fantastic, by the way. First of all, Dave, and like already half an hour in, and we're just now getting to round two. It might be uh, one of our two rounds of questions that <laughs> <on> interviews <laughs> happen sometimes. That's a seven for me. I'm rocking a five. Oh my goodness, a seven, and I get to go first. Holy wow! Okay, right? didn't cool. expect that. Did not that expect that. Yeah. yeah. Last recording session, an eight took one round. This yeah. one, a seven took a round. I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it, that's just the way that the. The old dice crumble there, yeah. So where do I want to go with this? Boy, so many jokes. Us, I know, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, you've given us so much good information. So what? I, <laughs> so, so you've talked a lot about like your favorite memories at the table with folks and everything like that. I want to get a little bit more into kind of like the anthropology of the HHLS event and everything like that. It's been running for 32 years. And, and I think mm-hmm. back to when we had a friend of the show, Mike Ross from RPG Academy, come on and the weird and wonderful things that happen in the scope of con running and con organization and kind of the uh, the inside jokes that develop from folks that run cons years after years. So I want to get a peek behind the curtain a little bit. I want to f- get your favorite or funniest or whatever kind of memory from the running of HHL's con. What's one of the things that, that has come up over the last few years that kind of recurring jokes that continue to come up or your favorite memory from HHL's con's past? All right. Let's see. I, I immediately, I think of two things, and one one might not mean anything to anybody else but me. But uh, there is a <laughs> pop culture reference here, which I hope you guys follow along and remember. Teaching at a technical high school, I teach mathematics. If we didn't say that already, by the way, when life decides to make you a math teacher, you pretty much let fame and fortune go out the window. Adventure, excitement, a math teacher craves not these things. And <laughs> will I ever teach a student? <laughs> <laughs> Will a student that I teach ever be accepted to a military academy? In my entire time of teaching, I have seen those accept- acceptance packages, and oh my gosh, those are so cool. Will I ever teach a student who ends up leaving our atmosphere to orbit the Earth or maybe set foot on Mars? Probably not, just because statistics are against me. Will I teach a student who's going to work in machining to make a part that goes on the satellite or a student in electronics who solders the board together for that satellite? That's already happened. So nice. uh, we have a far-reaching thing here. One of the big things I like is one of my... Uh, one of my students from the early days of my game club, he was in culinary and uh, he ended up getting a job working at UConn. And he was in that viral video uh, in the very edges of it as his manager tackled the kid wanting his jalapeno mac and cheese. And I used to bring Chef Colby in as my chef for the day. And I was like, hey, Colby, get me the mac and cheese recipe. And he goes, why do you want that? And I'm like, dude, it's the Yukon jalapeno mac and cheese. This kid threw his college career away for jalapeno mac and cheese. Let's give this to the people. <laughs> so for a couple of years, we had the Yukon uh, recipe. And it was, I got to be honest, given throwing my college career away for this mac and cheese, I wouldn't recommend it. But apparently when you're a, a college student who knows no, no wrongs, that just might be the thing to do. 
So yeah, we had the jalapeno mac and cheese one year. That was a thing. The other Be- famous- being the father of a college of a college age junior, I can see my son throwing away parts of his college career for food. That doesn't yep. that tracks. I used to be a big fan of mac and cheese with Frank's hot sauce, so it's not sounding so bad to me, I'm going to say. I'm going to have to do the hard pass on that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I like mac and cheese. I don't don't know. I think it's the the jalapenos because it'd be a soft pass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that was a crappy joke. That was a crappy joke. Crappy joke. That one burned a little bit, yeah. And the other memory, honestly, that is more like a running joke, or just like a one thing we're known for is, and this goes back to my Haskell, John Haskell, the founder, which I'm going to get you guys together. He, got, he can have another whole, he can outdo me for entertaining you guys. But he maintains, or it doesn't, it's, it's not, I'm not saying he's wrong, but back in the day, we had two employees at LS Tech. They were I want, administration or business office. I wasn't around then. So this, is, this predates me by a lot. But they were the famous Ali and Artie and Dennis Gracie. And they're famous for creating some of the mechanics that you guys know in the game Axe and Allies. And so, Which is a fantastic had, game. Yeah, I love and that so game. We, we've, and, and Haas maintains that this part of the mechanics might have been created on Ellis Tech property, possibly on state time. And um, it's one of those connections we have. And since then, since I've joined the club, through connections of social media and Kickstarter, we've been credited for playtesting a half a dozen different games. Unfortunately, none of them really went anywhere, but hey, we're in the books for having that little feather in our cap. And every year we have independent game developers come in and they, they show us their rares. This year I'm bringing my, uh, the scouts in so they can work on their uh, game design merit badge. And I'm going to introduce them to some of these people so they can figure out what the gaming world is like. So, hmm. nice. I, say, I just love that the merit badge, ex- merit badge exists now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Like that would have definitely been a merit badge that our entire troop came out with because I think all of us gamed in our troop uh, growing up. We played on campouts. Yeah, I mean, that's we played under Cochigan Rock a number of times. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And obviously, we're looking forward to coming down here, not just running games at the convention, but we're going to be bringing our audio setup and hopefully getting some time out and about in the convention, talking to people and everything like that. So we're really looking forward to that too. So. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Taking us back to some of the um, community aspects of the convention and what it's done for gaming. You've mentioned a, a number of different programs at other high schools in Connecticut. I'm aware of a new one. Glenn's son went to a school that had a club. When I was coming up, these clubs, I didn't see them. They started after I was getting out of school. When we tried to play games, even if they were card games of any kind, we were told you can't do that because you could be gambling. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed to do that. Like we were lacrossely, myself and another friend, and in, in, as freshmen in high school. What would you say to other educators who are trying to start programs in their schools or to kids who want to find a, a like minded teacher who would help them create a program if there's not a program in a school? What would your advice be to those who are just beginning this journey or looking to begin this journey? All right. Let's see. You got to find the angle. You got to have the support of the school body, administrator, guidance personnel, anybody who's looking for the family outreach, the the community involvement, the, the family engagement. If you want to think about it, the gaming companies have done quite a bit to promote this family game night, the family table. Bring that to the school. You got to, and you're probably going to have to rely upon finding someone to be the volunteers because 
there's not going to be any funds for this. And if there are any funds, they're probably going to be used to buy the games they're going to start out with. Guys, we all know that gaming is expensive. One of the big things I have in the game club at school is uh, like the closet is full of games that none of my students could really afford. And I got to be honest, if it wasn't for connections within our gaming community, some of them I couldn't afford, the game club couldn't afford. One of my, one of my, maybe they should have answered this under uh, Josh's question, but one of my favorite memories is we went to a pre-pandemic gamer con at, at Mohegan Sun and Ken from the Citadel hooked us up with a bottom of the barrel price. I'm not even sure. He, I think he made any money on us that day. And we bought Gloomhaven for next to nothing. Mm, and I remember making okay. one of my kids carry that box around the casino as we got a tour of all the possible jobs that these kids could have when they graduate. And all of a sudden I look over, I'm like, dude, you don't look so good. He goes, this is heavy. And I look at the shipping weight. And I'm like, oh, whoops. And, nope, dope. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you got to so you got to find the funding for the game. So I would definitely check with your parent faculty organization, the PTO, see what's available for that. See if anyone in guidance can get any, any sort of funding, grant money, whatever. And of course, you got to have the support of the administration who can help schedule this stuff, because we, we all know that the weather, whatever industry it is, if the boss doesn't like it, they can squash it. Yep. I can absolutely concur. Ken and David at the Citadel and their whole team down there are amazing. They are mm -hmm. great with outreach. They are always trying to get more people into the game. They really care about the experience people have. They run a great environment for gaming in their shop. And I know they love going to conventions and welcoming other people to, to tables along the way. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing them again. It's been my shop mm -hmm. since 1978 with its original owner, Pat who uh, mm -hmm. passed. Not yeah, I just saw that. Open shop, shop in there since it was in New London. Folks at the Citadel, huge friends of the show. He's been a life there the past couple of days. As we try to adjust to how we do in this after the convention, Ken, I texted him and I'm like, because one, one of our local battle group Boston South guys made the connection, popped in the store one day because he works on EB and he was like, hey, Ellis really needs your help. And Ken's, I'll run the magic stuff. And I'm like, and I, I was texting with him and it was like, well, thank you so much. And he goes, dude, we are so happy to get back into the convention world. He goes, don't worry. It doesn't matter how bad it's going to be. It's going to be better than it was last year. And since there wasn't one, he's not wrong, but it was, I needed that support. You know, and Ken was there. Yep. Good people uh, down there. One of the funnest things to do is to watch that group get ready for a convention. I've had the pleasure of being in on a Thursday night before they got packed up for Terrificon this past summer, and I've seen them get ready for other conventions and watch it. They are literally like a little army preparing. <laughs> like They've got their plans. They know who's going to be where. They've got their setup. They're a well-oiled machine. They're going to they're gonna be amazing there, and it's going to be cool to see. It's going to be great seeing them at the convention. No, as soon as you walk into the gymnasium, they're going to have the corner spot. Like you cannot miss them. We're going to give them as much space as they need because they are they are really hooking us up this year. Excellent, nice. excellent. Mr. Myers, picking up the rear of this round, yeah. No worries. So by the time this airs, in roughly a little over a week's time at Ellis Con, if while you were there throughout the day. A group of gamers or a group of students or a mix of gamer students or gamers who aren't students and students who are gamers, any of the above, mm -hmm. successfully cornered you and said, Mr. Carter, come play a game with us. We're playing your favorite one. What would it be if you were putting the, table, oh, the game down on the table? Just because I have so limited free time on the convention days, like I used to try to run games and that was a mistake. You're getting drawn every different way. Honestly, if I was to sit down and play a game at EllisCon, it doesn't have to be Probably at EllisCon. That was just the framework that I set it around. All right. Okay. So let's, all right. 
in that case, let me uh, let me give you a two answer then. If it's an Elliscon where I'm the guy in charge, but I really want a game, it's probably <laughs> going to be Crokino just because I got the time for that. And then let's see, the other one would be given a chance at a convention. If I sit, sit down, I got to be honest. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it advertised a whole lot in the past couple of years, but I am a big fan of Stone Age. You know, like, the, like the whole box game. There's It's easy setup. It's easy take down. Your community building. I got to be honest, guys. I haven't played a whole lot of board games recently. In fact, the last time I did was last December when I had COVID like everybody else did. The whole family had it. And I sat and thankfully, once we got past the I feel really terrible part and we're still quarantined, Twice a day, I played a new game with my seven-year-old or nine-year-old now. Nice. And we went through and we do- I documented all on my Instagram. I got five followers. I was going viral. And we went through games that I had in the closet for the longest time. That I've been, oh, I'm going to play these with my kids. Well, I finally played with my kids. And some of them held up and some of them didn't. And to be honest, out of that entire group, like the 70s Milton Bradley sort of war game games, Tank Battle holds up. Yep. Good game. I enjoyed that a lot. Yep. If I have to go to 70s games, I would always go Operation. I don't know why that game, so inanely simple, was hours of enjoyment as a kid. I have no <laughs> idea why. Inanely simple. Oh God. So I'm not sure I would say enjoyment. I played a lot of Operation, but that game drove me nuts. I have great oh. hands for fine details now, but when I was a child, I did not my oldest boy is on the high end of the autism spectrum and when we tried playing operation when he was first getting into games sound was just making it not enjoyable for anybody so we took the batteries out and i refer to it as autopsy nice (laughs) (laughs) what a great answer that That is like the best homebrew for a problem on a tabletop game i have ever heard make make like a cthulhu themed operation game called autopsy i Yep. Put all the bones in the wrong places. So that's. Oh, there you go. (laughs) You pull this out. You see the real truth. I think if you guys make this happen, I can give you guys all the game merit badge, the game design merit badge. Like you all qualify. Congratulations. I like it. I like it. (laughs) We are about to produce our third book. So I think we've got that one covered. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd like to think. But Uh, I don't have the merit badge. Yeah, exactly. You don't have the merit badge. It's true. It's true. So I do got to talk to a guy in Scouts about getting to the point where I can do some of the counseling for the that merit badge. <laughs> you were talking about a lot that. Of I didn't even know it existed until you brought it up that day. I'm like, holy crap, that, awesome. they have that now? That is fantastic. <laughs> I would be so honored to be able to sign somebody's booklet so they can get that merit badge. That would be yeah. that would be very fulfilling for my scouting career to this moment. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Lightning round. Lightning round, baby. I can, you, can, I can you can adapt. Yeah, right. I got a four, so I don't have a lot of pressure on me, I hope. Uh, <laughs> you, I have a five. Okay, cool. So Lee and is going to go first, but Glenn and I need to re-roll because both of us got four. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is, is this a record, guys? <laughs> this is a record. We dropped uh, this a is five a taking no. it. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I got a six my second time around. So Sixteen. Okay. So Glenn will go second. I will. Uh, I will pick up the rear. As they say, Mr. Miller, the uh, the floor is yours, sir. This lightning round question is brought to you by the wonderful host of Tabletop Journeys, and the <laughs> points count for nothing. <laughs> what is your biggest wish for anything, whether it be material or understanding, that can come out of this year's Ellis Con? 
Mm, good question. Yeah. Okay, uh, lightning round. So I'm assuming it's going to be a quick answer. Take your time. You, whatever you need. Okay. You're allowed to do whatever you want. You're the guest. Okay, excellent. I would honestly say opportunities because we had the coolest field trip planned out prior pre-pandemic, and then in 20, like everything went to to poop. Guys, picture this. I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but that's what we're here for. This is the field trip we had back in the day, all right? So we're in Northeastern Connecticut, and we are a school. We're a state facility. There are so many rules. In order to take our kids out of state on a field trip, you got to get so many pieces of papers signed and approved and justified and warranted, even though it's on your own time and you have a volunteer. But you're using the school bus, you're using the school's insurance, using the, the state's fuel. So there's already that. In order to, so look, we like border Rhode Island, and Mass is only two towns up, but to leave the state, it's like all this paperwork. And uh, we used to get approval every year to go up to the uh, the Wings of Freedom fly into the Worcester Airport, and uh, we were on the 909, a, walking through a static display of it a week before it crashed at Bradley Field. And my uh, son was on that plane with my father two weeks before it crashed out of Oh my Rotten. gosh! Wow. Yeah. So I missed that. My grandfather flew in World War II. That plane always had a near and dear place in my heart, and that hasn't happened since. Um, so that part of the field trip, that's gone. We would then leave the airport when the planes would take off for the tours, because that's a lot of money, and we were a high school. And we'd go down to That's Entertainment, one of the nicest places. If you guys have never been there, you need to go. Pop Culture Emporium, that, uh, Park Street in Worcester, Mass. They even renamed the side street to be Lois Lane. And we get the full tour. <laughs> they would hook us up. Chad and uh, and I forget the other guy's name and I apologize for that but they are some of the nicest people. That store is still there. It's just that they're not going to allow me to take kids to a to a store out of state just for fun. We would then on the way on the ride home we would stop in Auburn. We would park at Toys R Us, which that in itself is a travesty. That that experience can never happen again. And the restaurant next door to Toys R Us was Arby's. Oh my gosh, you know how many of these kids would like, first we'd make, we would take them through on a bus through some of the Worcester cultural districts. We would go through the arts district to get there. They would see things that they would probably never see before. Trapping through a city. Like some of these kids didn't get there before. They would see stores that would sell all sorts of de- food that they would never even consider having. Anything from something that was halal to a traditional barbershop and they would have fun with it. And they they would learn things and they'd experience these things. Oh, and then we go to Arby's. Oh, and we go to Toys R Us and that type of thing. Right now, there are so many limited opportunities that we have. I got to find something and I got to find a way to have it tie in. There's things I've been kicking around, but I need the motivation. I need like the gotcha, the what, what's going to make me go out of my way to, to have these experiences or is there going to be something that's going to be the, closer to home like right now the only field trip we have that we've been taking that is is has survived the pandemic is GamerCon at uh, mohegan sun and uh, a big props to the big fedora productions he always hooks us up with you buy 10 you get one free so all of our chaperones don't have to buy their own tickets through the funds raised at LSCon, i'm hoping my students don't have to buy the tickets either our bus holds 25 kids i'm gonna buy 40 tickets for the club and the club's gonna give them out and say oh hey johnny you want to go to the thing oh your parents gonna take you oh here's four if you want to if you want to make a donation to the club please do but just go and have fun experience the gaming we need the experiences we need that people to people thing one of the biggest things we've been pushing in the club for the years the table stops up and you guys know this although we're using a screen right now to talk to each other 
We're going to have, if we're across the table, we're going to have a certain level of decorum. We're not going to be, we're not going to be impolite. We're not going to be talking about what we did to your mom last night. We're not going to flip the table and give you the bird and we're done because there are ways that you have to act. And I want more experiences for my students to get out there and interact with society at a polite level. So that, that's my wish. Awesome. That's an amazing answer. Fantastic. Opportunities. And uh, when GamerCom is coming around or in the months that lead up, make sure you get in touch with us because I live less than 10 minutes from Mohegan Sun. Excellent. It, it is uh, pretty easy for us to come down and and be there for that event. And if there's anything we can do to help, whether it be promote that your school's going there or whatever mm-hmm. you need us to do, we're all in. Dave, if you could pick one IP out there that you're a fan of that doesn't already exist that you know of as an RPG or a tabletop RPG or a regular tabletop game, what would it be? Ooh, that, that's a deep question. Uh, it's time is everybody. It's evil. All right. So I'm going to answer this in the best way I can. So I'm going to stall for time, and then I'm going to give you an answer that might not even be the answer, but it's going to be the closest one we can get. That's normally how right. people respond to that question, actually. So I mentioned earlier that uh, I got into gaming. In middle school, we played a lot of Risk because we were not intellectually able to figure out D&D on our own. <laughs> I recently described the Sim Club to one of my students who, right now, because of the pandemic, the only kids who remember what we were like before pandemic are the seniors. And I've only got two of those left. And so I'm trying to recruit like everybody I can, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. And I'm trying to describe it to the juniors. And I finally look at the kid and I'm like, have you seen Stranger Things? He goes, yeah. I said, we're the Hellfire Club. He goes, oh, okay. And something as simple as that. So going back to what I did in my circle of friends back in the day. So we couldn't figure out D&D or we were unwilling to. And there was a, it was a, like a knockoff choose your own adventure, but it wasn't choose your own adventure. It was something else. And it involved rolling D6s. And the mechanics were you rolled one, you added six. That was like your luck points. And every day, every time you had to test your luck, you lost a point and you went to sleep and you woke up and your luck was back. And then you rolled another D6, you added to six. So that was out of 12. And that was your attack points or your skill points. Basically, everything you wanted to do came down to a test of luck or a test of skill. And it involved rolling two D6 and getting less than your total number. The last thing is you rolled 2d6, add it to 12, that's your hit points. We don't know how that works. And we ended up stealing that mechanic from this book. And we created our own thing called, we just call it the game. We didn't have a name for it. And we borrowed from everything. Like I read a lot of Dragonlance, like Weiss and Hickman were like my heroes. I mean, they still are. We read a lot of Tolkien. We borrowed a lot of that. And uh, we created our own stuff. And we didn't realize we were, because of that, we were basically playing D&D without playing D&D. We just call it the game. And uh, as D&D tries to reinvent itself, as Wizards realizes, oh, hey, we created Pathfinder to put D&D out of business, and we did, but now we own it, so we got to make both products work. I think they need to find a way to to bring back the tabletop game that is in a super basic level to get that hook to bring in the kids. With my own children, there is a Pokemon adventure game where you role-play season one of the DVDs. And... That's how I got my kids into some of this stuff. So I would definitely do that. But if you're talking about when you first said IP, I'm thinking, oh, if I was going to make like a website address or whatever, I do think we need to have an Etsy for gamers called Lovecraftian. (laughs) Okay. I love it. All right. I I love love it. it. Yeah. Mind sliders. 
<laughs> yep. Excellent. <laughs> Yours is sliders, Glenn? I believe yes. I called sliders first and snaked you on that one. I'm reasonably certain <laughs> if we go back to the very first time the question ever came up, you're incorrect. But you've been snaking me ever since. <laughs> that's okay. We can share it. We can both be fans. right? I know, exactly. Like, sure yeah, that's the whole point of a role-playing game is more than one. All right, Dave. I'm going to go ahead and bring us home tonight with a final round of very important questions about HHLSCon. Okay. Where is HHLSCon? Where can people, how do people get there? Where do they need to go? And how much does it cost to get in? And are there various levels to get in? And all that sort of stuff. All, all right. the particulars about getting into the convention. So we are at HHLS Technical High School in Danielson, Connecticut. We are right on Upper Maple Street. And uh, there will be these he- the old hex signs. They're yellow and they say LSCon on them. And we will put them at every exit to uh, 395, which we are right off of the 395 corridor. And then on the major routes, like Route 6, I think. But with the Google... HHLS Technical High School. Our website, it's going to roll off the tongue. You guys ready for this? Sites.google.com slash cttech.org slash simclub. And uh, they sent me to a professional development to learn about Google products. And that was my pro- project for the day. And by the time we were done, we had a pretty pretty nice website created by me in a, in a term of like an hour. There is up-to-date information on LSCon in there. That's where the poster is. That's where my letters to our gaming community get posted. That's where we have our photo archives. I've gone through every yearbook since 1986 when there were lists of kids in the club and listed their names. I have alumni come up to me that are way older than I am and correct me saying, oh, hey, I wasn't in the club or you missed me on this one. And I'm like, well, it wasn't in the yearbook. And they're like, the yearbook's inaccurate. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know this? So it's like a historical document. We do quite a bit on social media. Tonight, I finally figured out how to make a make an event through the LS Tech PFO, that's a parent faculty organization, which are they are the official hosts of LSCon for insurance purposes. And so there is an event on Facebook. It is, it's, op- it's public. It's all out there. There is a private LS Tech 32, I'm sorry, LSCon 32 group that was created by one of my community advisors, Chuck Tewksbury. He's got his own little gaming garage group out of somewhere outside of Boston. And Chuck keeps inviting me to his place and I, I just never get up there. So I do apologize for that. But a big shout out to Chuck. He's been a huge help. Chuck's also he- uh, hosting the Seth Owen Memorial Ogre event at the event. Seth was a gamer from the Norwich community who lost his battle with cancer several years ago. And we actually have Seth's copy of Ogre that Chuck will be playing with that day. So that's a very special event to all of us. So the details, you can be found on social media. We're on Facebook. We can be found on the website. It's going to be $10 at the door unless you are a hometown hero. Now, what is a hometown hero? That is a question that each of us can answer differently, whether you're a fire, police, military, or you're a veteran. You're a hometown hero. I'm not going to ask questions. We're going to ask for hometown heroes, $5 at the door. But we'd also like you to bring a non-perishable food item or a toiletry to be donated to one of our local food banks. The Ellis Tech is in a, currently a all-month of November challenge with every other tech school in the state. That is 17 tech schools total. And I figure if I show up Monday morning with a carload of supplies and help us win, oh my gosh, I'm going to look so cool. So yeah, so 5 bucks at the door for hometown hero. If you want to bring something to donate, we're not going to say no. Other tiers of entry, I mentioned scouting earlier. I am the Cub Master here in Killingly. I am an assistant scout master for Troop 43, also in Killingly. And I am recently a, 
Air Badge Coordinator for a bunch of stuff, including game design. So we're going to have several scouting events there. So scouts, if any of you guys are out there, come on down in your Class A uniform. Bring us a non-perishable item for the food bank, and we're going to let you in for free. And we're going to have the opportunity to work on some merit badges. Or if you're a Cub Scout, we got some adventures you can work on. Believe it or not, guys, the Tigers, the first graders, they can earn an adventure loop for participating in a video game tournament. So we have at 11 a.m., we have a youth-only 12 and under Mario Kart event. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So soups, soups that's, and nuts, that that's all there. I love it. Oh, we can't wait. I am so excited to be coming down here. And not just because the three of us are actually going to be in the same physical space for the third time since we started the podcast, but also because it's going to be the first time that three of us are all at the convention at the same time. Last year, we had the chance to go to Dr. James Con. This year, we're going to this one. And so I'm, I'm really excited because, boy, I do miss conventions. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be getting down here. Dave, Mr. Carter, thanks so very much for joining us tonight. We really oh, appreciate you taking some time uh, uh, to go ahead and talk to us tonight. And uh, we'll be seeing you uh, in a couple of weeks, or in about a week from when the episode airs. Next week on the show here, we have got, on Tuesday, we have got our amazing Class Warfare episode featuring the Bard classes with Scald, again, from Awfully Queer Heroes, with a Glenn running a devil, devilishly tough adventure for our three bards uh, that was a ton of fun well, i was trying uh, to whack are, somebody for halloween yeah it's true it's true exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you on the 19th everybody out there listening come to EllisCon if you can if you're in the danielton connecticut area again like you said two towns away from the massachusetts border right next door to rhode island if you are uh, if you're anywhere in that area pop on by 10 bucks to get in come by play games meet us say hi i'd be great to go ahead and have you so half hour north of norwich maybe 45 minutes from Groton. Everybody in New England, really, within the sound of our voice, you can make this convention. It's going to be yeah. a great time. Dare I say, legendary. As the three of us are going to be there, we would absolutely <laughs> love to meet some Tabletop Journeys fans. Oh, if you absolutely. happen to make it Please. there, find yeah. us. Say hi yeah. to us. We'll be running our tables in the morning. We'll be certainly free in the afternoon. I'm going to be bringing the big old box of Tabletop Journey stickers and probably uh, more of the stuff that's in, in the basement here to go ahead and help me uh, clear out some more of my, uh, my TTRPG swag. You never know what you're going to find. Like I said, I've got five dragons here staring at me on my table here. Who knows? I may be looking to, uh, to unload some of my bigger figs too. So we'll see. But thank you, everybody, for listening today. Thank you again, uh, Mr. Carter, for popping on here. Uh, talk about HHLSCon and everything. A fantastic time here tonight. We're going to be talking to the folks from uh, Guild 66. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you then. Have a good night. Have a great night, all. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, 
We bid you shade and sweet water.